Psalm 61, please. We started off with the opening titles to the chief musician upon Nagana, a psalm of David. Verse 1. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me from the strong, from us on the strong tower, excuse me, from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my voice. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever. That I may daily perform my vows. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his own word again in public. But let's pray. Father, we thank you again this morning for so many being out under this roof to remember your son around this table, to partake of the emblems which remind us of his broken body and of his precious shed blood. We thank you for the music and for the singing, for the worship of the hearts of men and women. We thank you for their faithfulness from everyone from the very opening of the front gate until the ending of the meeting, all who participate and all who have come along. We pray that you would bless them the only way that you can. As our faces differ, Father, we know so do our needs. We've left different situations and homes and families behind which we may return to. And Lord, in our hearts and even here, we have different things that are upon us that, Lord, may be assailing us at this time. We pray Lord, that you would speak in thy word and strengthen each and every one of us, Lord, and bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify your own precious name. Father, in all of this this morning, whatever's said and prayed and done and sung this morning, may it be done to the glory and the exaltation and the lifting up of the Lord Jesus Christ. May he alone be the one that is seen and he alone be our help this morning. We pray that thy spirit would move from seat to seat, from heart to heart. And Lord, that you would shut each and every one of us severally and Lord, universally in with yourself, that you would speak to us and bless us. And Lord, you would even convict us and convince us, Lord, challenge us and do what you will with us, we pray today. Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would bless and encourage your people. May the church be edified this morning. We pray for those that are away, those who are at home, those who are ill or wherever they may be, whether here or there or wherever, Lord, we pray that you would meet them at the point of their need and speak peace and life and hope and health into each and every heart and body and mind and spirit and soul, that, Lord, that Christ might be exalted. May the blood of the Lamb be applied afresh to each and every one of us this morning. May we claim it, the merit and the efficacy of a off it for ourselves this morning as we're here. And Lord, if there's one come in, Lord, backslidden in heart, would you draw them to thyself? If there's one come in unsaved and never come to the foot of the cross nor knowing Christ as their own Lord and personal Savior, this morning, Lord, we pray that I would just reach them and touch them, we ask you. 
and save them for time and for eternity. May they behold the Lamb of God who bore their sin away in his own body on the tree. And Lord, may you be glorified and exalted in the midst. We love you because you first loved us. We worship you because you alone are worthy of the praise. We exalt you and bless you and magnify your holy name. For thy name is great and greatly to be praised. We ask it all for Jesus' name's sake and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Last week, we spent some time on the opening title of Psalm 61. And it simply says this. To the chief musician upon Naganah, a psalm of David. Now, as we delve deeper into this psalm this morning, what we do want to do is to look at it and give you the basis that we looked at last Sunday morning. That David is now on the throne. Some say he's ascending to the throne. But he's probably now on the throne. But looking back at one of the worst times in his whole life, one of the darkest periods and seasons in his life that he's ever been in. And since he's come through that, he he goes right back to the very depths of despair where he was and he remembers how brokenhearted he was. He remembers uh, that there seemed no hope for him. And he remembers that he even went out of the will of God, being anointed of God. But yet, as we looked at last week, anointed men and women still fail God because they are men and women. Remember this, brother, and remember this, sister. The, uh, the best of men are only men at their best. And the best of women are only women at their best. And we see David as he looks back and he writes to the chief musician. He wants it to be spoken and sung off uh, from the highest musician. And he says it's upon Naganah. Now Naganah, as we move forward this morning, is a song that was to be played with stringed instruments. So David was writing it for the chief musician, play this. This inspired, anointed psalm, this song of Israel on stringed instruments. And it was really, collectively, there could be many stringed instruments. This word nagana is a, a difficult word because it means with, it's a plural setting. Like we came this morning with the instruments and we worship, it's a plural setting. But when you go home, after the meeting, after this evening, this morning's meeting, and you're into the afternoon, it's you and God. And when you go home, you can always remember whether it's tomorrow or the next day or and so on, that if you recall where God has brought you from, there's help and there's hope and strength in that because the God who'd done it before can do it again. No matter the depth, no matter the darkness, no matter how hard it's got for you, God can do it again. And it's not only plural, nagana plural, it can be singular, where David is now on his own, playing on his own harp, probably in one of the rooms of the palace by now, and here he is playing singular with one instrument, worshiping God. And we looked at how important is personal worship in your life, how important it is for you to Go to that quiet place or whether it's a field or I do a lot of mine when I'm walking over the fields or wherever I may be. Worship in my heart, praising the Lord on my own. 
remember one time years ago, we lived in Donnacrony. We walked early in the morning and there's the, the bridge coming in from the Waring town side. There on the hall road is a bridge. You used to be able to go down, there's the doorway and walk through and up the side of the river. And I found this big long stick one time, a big branch and I was walking up and down praying with this big branch. That didn't mean anything. I just had it in my hand. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't being hyper spiritual with this. And one time a student was overlooking the river and I was just praying and I forgot where I was and no one was around me and I heard a voice shouting at me, do you think you're Moses? (laughs) (laughs) And it was was Tracy Cummins. (laughs) And she was out for an early morning walk and there I was thinking, no one can see me. But that's where I do most of my seeking the Lord and I just shouted and waved up at her and she went on. She knew I was in prayer with the Lord. It's important for you because that's where your hope, help and strength is in that place of prayer. Can I ask you, have you prayed this morning? Notice here, we looked at David's cries and his, pardon me, his I wills. Four I wills, he cries out. We're not going to go through them again. You can watch it if you want last week online. And we looked at then Satan's I wills, his five I wills. And the difference in them, David was saying, I will abide, I will hide, I will trust in you. Satan is, I will ascend your throne. I will be like the most high God. And you can see the difference of heart here between the four I wills of David and this and the five I wills of, of Satan. So this morning, let's move on then from where we were last week. As I said, the opening title is Naganoth, and it lends itself to singular, personal. But if you remember, it also gives the idea to taunt, T-A-U-N-T, to taunt someone. In other words, to pull it out of someone. You know, a preacher uh, sometimes will say to a crowd, Oh, that that congregation were dead. They near killed me. And that can happen to a preacher. A congregation can kill them stone dead. A dead congregation. Isn't that right, Molly? They just, they pull nothing out of you. They just kill you. But then there's a congregation, need of the word. They eat off it and eat off it and even responding to it. And the preacher would say, they pull the preach out of me. They pull the preach out. And this is the pull out the heart of you, to pull out the pain in you, to pull out the distress in you, to pull out the discouragement from you, to pull it out and it is you're pulling it out and it's displaying it before your heavenly father. That's the idea of this. And David has gone back and he's scarred by this. Listen, it's all right to have scars, you know, it reminds you of something that happened in the past. I have many scars in my heart, spiritually speaking. And they were sore. But it's when we leave them lying open like an opened wound, they fester. And when they fester, it goes right through you. So if you have an open wound this morning, bring it to God and let him heal it. Because if you don't, it will fester. If you think of a wound lying open, soon it starts to become pus in it and disease in it and you know you'll need to go and get your antibiotic for it as it were 
There is no antibiotic for the hurting heart. But the only antibiotic, and I'm speaking in reverence to the Lord, is the Lord himself. And to have a scars all right. Scars remind us that we came through a, a season. We came through a, a difficult time. We came through a battle. We came through a tough time, but we're still here. You've come through a battle, brother, sister, whatever it may be. You've come through a tough time, brother and sister. You've been hurt and deeply wounded, almost left on the battlefield to die, but you're still here. Did you hear that? You're still here. Do you know why you're still here? Because he loves you. Because he's carried you. Because he has brought you through. He has been your strength when you've needed it. And he's always our strength. We just need to realize it. We just need to realize it. Notice, there are some points we will look at. I'm not going to get them all done this morning. But what I'll do is I'll do, well, I'll see maybe three of them. I've eight all together on this psalm. We'll maybe do another week next week. We'll see how the Lord leads. But the eight points are these. And if you're writing, you can write them down and see if you can find them yourself. But the first one is direction. When we need direction. The second one is distance. The third one is distress. The fourth one is deliverance. The fifth one is defense. The sixth one is dwelling. The seventh one is declaration. And the eighth one is destiny. So maybe next week we'll finish it off. First of all, let's look at the first verse. Now remember he's crying from the depths of mourning or depths of hurt or the depths of disillusionment and discouragement, whatever it may be. It could be something at family, at home, at church, wherever you may be. And you're so, so discouraged. Your heart is in your boots as it were. You feel lower than a snake's belly going up a wagon rut. You can't get any lower. And this is where David is reminding himself where God has lifted him from. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Now notice, you right there, the first one is direction. Hear my cry, O God. There's your direction to God. So I ask you with your, whatever it is that has assailed you in this last day, week, month, season, where have you been directing yourself? Where has been your direction? Notice here, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. And this is what I simply wrote. Talk to God before you talk to all others. Have you told God about it? Yes. And I don't feel like he's listening. Then you need to talk again until he does. He's listening until he answers. Until you realize that he will bring you through. Do not be through praying, brother. But rather pray through it. Do not be through praying, sister, but rather pray through it. Talk to God 
before you talk to all others. Listen to the psalmist David in Psalm 5 and 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayers unto thee and will look up. Lord, I'm going to direct my prayers to you and I'm going to look up. I'm going to worship you. Look, where your direction is is what your focus will be on. Where your direction is is where your focus will be on. Now, for example, if you're having a really difficult situation at home or wherever, and you are focusing on that, when Peter got out of the boat, he was walking on water. You know what he was doing? By faith, he was walking on what others would sink in. But when the wind was boisterous and came up around him, what happened? What happened? He began to he began to sink. He began to sink. Now, when his focus came back to Christ on the water, Lord, save me was the prayer from his heart. And the Lord reached and saved him and put him up out of the water and into the boat. Brothers and sisters, what you focus on will fill your heart and will fill your mind. Listen, I keep saying it. I've been saying it for two years. If you don't want to live in fear, turn off your news. Because that's all it is. Fear, 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 fear. If you want to live in faith, open up the word. The word of God. So what you focus on will take your heart, will take your mind, and will fill you. So what have you been filled with this week? What have you filled your heart with this weekend? What have you filled your heart with the weekend has gone past? The news, the news, social media and the news, most of the bad things that's happening. Listen, you can't get away from it. I understand that. Fill your heart with that. Fill your heart and mind with the word of God. Focus yourself on the scriptures. Focus yourself on the word. Because here's what happens. You and I, and we're all guilty, we come before the Lord and our focus is for a few minutes on God and Lord this and Lord that and the other thing. And I leave all my burdens and I place all my troubles at your feet, O God. Oh, such a relief. And you walk away, and within the next 10 minutes, oh, see those burdens and all that other stuff again. You've just took them back again because your focus was on the Lord. You began to sink when you took your eyes off him and onto the the burdens. And once you began to sink, you cried unto the Lord. You felt the relief of it. And what happens after that? Once you feel the relief, you start to take your eyes off the Lord. It's our human nature that we cry on to God from our heart. And, and it's our, 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 our ways as Christians, I mean, that, that, that we're, oh Lord, help us. And we, we just say the prayer and everything's going well for us. And when God blesses us, we forget the one who blessed us. We're all guilty. 
We're praying for it and we're praying for it. We get it, we get the relief of it and we live in the joy of it for a short period of time. But while we're doing that, we haven't turned to God and we haven't kept up the intensity of prayer. Nor have we been in the closet the way we were before we got the answered prayer. Isn't that true? You and I should be praying. You and I should be seeking him. You and I should be chasing after the things of God with the same intensity and faithfulness when we are blessed and on the mountaintop as we did when we were in the valley. What do you think changes is the prayer? It goes from Lord, help, Lord, will, to Lord, thank you. Praise you and we'll worship you. So your direction matters, brothers and sisters. Take your focus off all others, all other people. Listen, if you're focused on people, if you're focused on Christians, if you're focused on the preachers, your focus is wrong. If you're focused on the people around you who, who name the name of Jesus and they've let you down, or whatever, then if you keep your focus there, you're going to be so discouraged, you will never, ever receive the blessing. Notice here, Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice, let us therefore come boldly. That is not irreverently, nor does it mean ignorantly, nor arrogantly. But let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace. Well, the wonderful thing about this, it doesn't say let us come boldly onto the throne of judgment. It's not a throne of condemnation. It's neither. It's not a throne of wrath. You're a believer. You're blood-washed. You're a child of God. It's not, a, it's not a throne of wrath. It's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. You know why? Because as believers, as human beings, remember the best of men are only men at their best and women too. Remember these things when you feel it, well, I've let him down again. I, I can't come to the Lord this time. He wouldn't forgive me. We see, the devil would love you to think like that. The devil would love you to think like that. But you see, God's grace abounds over all our sin. Now, should we continue in sin that grace may abound, Paul says in Romans 5, going into Romans 6. And the, and the answer is, God forbid. We live right. We fail. We all do. So let us boldly, the the idea there is with confidence that he loves us, with confidence that we're children of God, with confidence that we're saved and we're his. So let us come with this bold confidence. Father, I need your grace. That we may obtain mercy. You know what mercy is? Well, grace is to receive that which we do not deserve. Unmerited favor. To receive that which we do not deserve. That's grace. 
Mercy is when we do not receive that which we do deserve. Okay, so you've failed me. I'll, I'll, call, I'll, I'll point to myself so no one thinks I'm talking about them. Okay, so Ken, you failed me. Okay, Ken, you, you did what you shouldn't have done and you went where you shouldn't have went or you've said what you shouldn't have said, whatever it may be. You failed me. So I come knowing that he's my father who loves me, who gave a son for me that, and a son shed his blood for me and I have a confidence that I'm his, I'm his child and, and no father uh, rightly, uh, even in the flesh, would turn away their child. Talking about a loving father. And so when I come to him, I'm coming to the place of grace. In other words, I don't deserve to be there. But he loves me. Christ died for me, shed his blood for me, so I can go there. So I receive what I don't deserve. I can go there. I know what I get? Mercy. I don't get what I did deserve. I don't get him to shun me. I don't get that he could have put me away forever. I don't get that. I don't get any judgment on that. I get grace. And notice, it is a throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Even in our weaknesses of whatever we are going through, we need, we really need deliverance from an overwhelmed heart. I just can't cope. I can't cope anymore, Lord. Lord, I, I just can't do it anymore. I can't take it anymore. And the Nagana, David playing on his harp, is, it's drawing it out of David before God. And he's calling deep, calleth unto deep, draws God, as it were, to him. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto thee. And Ephesians 2 and 18 says, For through him that is the Lord Jesus, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. I love that. And when I'm standing here praying or at home praying and knew the same and I believe at a great prayer meeting down in the polytunnel before the meeting here this morning and, and, and wherever we may be or collectively together here on a Wednesday night, we have access through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord says that, that the, the, the spirit would proceed from the Father through the Son. The Father and the Son comes to us. The Spirit, he comes and he, he lives in us. And hence here, Paul is saying that through the, the, we have access through the Son to the Father and we're in the one Spirit. The Spirit of God is in us. So we're actually connected, as it were, to heaven at all times. Heaven's nearer than you think you know. Did you hear me? When you're asking, where are you, Lord? Heaven is nearer than you think. It's closer. Because where Jesus is, tis heaven there. And where is he, believer? But living in us through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Notice, listen to what Thomas Brooks, the old Puritan, said. I thought this was beautiful when I wrote this down. 
Ah, how often, Christians, hath God kissed you at the beginning of a prayer and spoken peace to you in the midst of a prayer and filled you with joy and assurance upon the close of a prayer? It's beautiful. Come with your baggage and your burdens and your faults and your failures and you start off and the heavens are like brass. The one good thing about the heavens being like brass, when John seen the risen Christ in in the book of Revelation chapter one, it says his feet were like bronze or brass. So every time I feel, and this is what I do, I say, well, if the heavens are like brass to me today, maybe I'm just sitting at his feet. Many of us have brought it and we've started off, as it were, like brass in the kiss of God. The Spirit has, has come to us. And in the midst of that prayer, you realize of his presence and he speaks peace to you. And by the time you're finished praying, the joy and the assurance of, my God knows, hears, understands, and he lays it at, you lay it at his feet. You know, someone of high standing no matter how high high they stand, will have their weakness, just like someone of what the world would call low standing. In Psalm 65 and verse 2, I I can't help but hear the, the, the divine son on the cross of Calvary crying out to his father, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And people are saying, who did he cry to? Who was he praying to? How can God forsake God? The reformers were trying to argue over and trying to work it out. Here's a simple one for you then. If we can think of his, his dual nature as human yet divine. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Even on Calvary's tree, in the darkest moment, not only in the life of a man, but the darkest moment in the life of history, in the whole of humanity, the depths of the darkest being of moment on the cross of Calvary, when the full wrath of God was poured out upon the Son of God, when the full wrath of God was poured out upon His Son, and He cried, my God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? He was a man, yet God. But as a man, he's crying, Father, but you've forsaken me. The idea of to be forsaken is the word to mean to leave in a hostile environment, to abandon. And the son was saying, Father, why have you left me in a hostile and can I say it, God forsaken as it were, environment? And I, 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 terrible depth of of humanity born on the shoulders and on the body of the beautiful Son of God, the lovely Christ of glory. How far had he come from the throne of the realms of heaven, the whole way to earth, to a manger, now to a cross. Oh, and we think we have deep despair at times. 
Yet he bore your despair and he bore my despair and he bore your pain and your sorrows and your sins and your sufferings and your sicknesses all in his own body on the tree. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cries unto thee, O thou that answers prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Boy, it draws it out of you, doesn't it? It draws it out of you. It draws the love out of my heart for the Savior when I think like this. He just takes me and he catches me up somewhere. The Spirit just catches me up somewhere. I'm caught up when I'm when I'm in this moment, I'm caught up and I'm in this place. It's like I'm at Calvary. It's like I see them all afresh and anew. I see him what he's done for me, where he's brought me from, but what he done to pay my price. So what direction are you pointed at this morning? What direction are you pointed at this morning? Oh, well, I'm pointed, I'm, I'm pointed to this problem in my life no one knows about. He knows. I'm pointed to this uh, impossibility that I can't get over. Well, he knows. Point to him. Redirect your efforts. Redirect your position. And point it to him. My heart's went cold and I'm directed at everything. Well, redirected to him. I can only tell you this morning, you have to apply it. Spirit of God speaking this morning, isn't he? He's speaking. What it tells me, it shows us Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. See, one more point and we'll close. Time's near away. In fact, I won't. I won't. Because I feel a lowly room what God has already done. Sometimes a preacher needs to realize God's at work, leave it alone. God's been speaking to hearts of men and women who have pointed their direction to everything else, they've taken it everywhere else. So the psalmist says, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. And God bless you. God strengthen you.
Stand with me for a moment, would you? Let's stay in reverence and respect for a moment here. Stand with me for a moment. Just want to pray for you. Let's close our eyes in prayer. Father, you are the God of all flesh and you are the God of all spirits. You're the God of all things. You are sovereign, as it's been said this morning. Our sovereign became our redeemer. And in you we live and move and have our being. We pray, Father, this morning that what you have done, your spirit has done in the hearts of your people. Pray, Father, this morning that you would continue to rest and may they find hope and help and strength in you. May this be a morning, Lord, when they can lay their burdens down. Each and every one who are here, whether it's the children and the teachers in the the tunnel or even the little ones and the babies there, Lord, in the porta cabin, pray, O God, that the vicinity of these precincts, Lord, that you would just permeate them with your presence. Your presence makes a feast. Your anointing destroys the yoke. And we thank you, Father, this morning that you are great and greatly to be praised. Help us to stay, Lord, in a, in a place of reverence and respect unto thee as we come, Lord, with confidence before the throne of grace collectively. Father, we pray that you would use us for your glory, that you would use us for your honor, that even, Lord, this lampstand in a tent, Lord, that we would see souls come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Backsliders restored and the church built up, edified and Christ glorified. So, Father, we thank you for all that has been done this morning by your Spirit. Seal it in our hearts. Every man and woman, Lord, seal it in their hearts. Glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. Let's take our seats again for a moment. Team, would you come up, please?